Welcome to the Extreme Cinema Podcast. I'm Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, I'm Alexander I'm... Sternberg, and who is this person next to me? This is uh, Dominic Loach of the Not Evening Review. <laughs> uh, okay, and... What are we what what are we watching today? What have we watched? Oh, we were the best film, my favorite of all time. Megan is missing the, the real infamous. life documentary. One hundred percent real. It's the infamous Megan is missing. Infamous as all the Gen Z TikTokers seem to love it. Infamous because it's you know extreme and infamous because it's known as a not very good film and the letterbox ratings are all half stars yeah exactly so Sterny, what did you think of it i don't think it's as bad as people say i think it's bad i think it's very bad but it's not an irredeemable film the acting for the most <laughs> part is irredeemable and that really drags it down quite considerably but there are there are some good ideas in this lost in the abysmal acting and the abysmal presentation. Yeah. Um, the main one for me, I think, is the acting. Watching it again, I was like, oh my god. This is some of the worst acting I have ever seen in my entire life. Like, I've, I will cut. Yeah, go I noticed it. you uh, gave it one and a half stars, and I was like, oh... One, a three out yeah. of ten, like not a uh, not the one that I give it. I do think it's genuinely horrific. Um, I will in the acting level. I I will give Rachel Quinn, who played Megan, some credit. She was for the most part fine, and when she wasn't fine, it was the script's fault. But everyone else, that is actually irredeemable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where did he find what... these people? <laughs> I. D- Probably Craigslist or something. Like, <laughs> hey, we need you to cry on camera because your best friend has been kidnapped. And go. <laughs> that must have been it. That scene outside the um, where she's blaming her, where she's like, "It's all your fault," is one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> where she looks like she's rapping when she's throwing her arms around. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's just so not believable. And there's kind of moments in the film where for like a minute you kind of start to get into it and then the acting just throws you right back. Yeah, and definitely. Like, I Yeah. I um it's it's cuz it has that reputation obviously we're talking about extreme cinema. This is the extreme cinema podcast. So much of this is just a uh, high school drama talking about sucking dick for a while. <laughs> like, oh, we'll, 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 get, we'll get into that scene later. That scene is. But what's yeah. really what's if I was just if I just was just watching this right as a movie, there's no fucking indication this is an exploitation film, which it is until an hour into the film. Oh yeah, yeah, and like. I'm gonna again. I don't think it's irredeemable. When the photos pop up, genuinely scary, and the bit that actually fucking um, I will admit scared me quite a bit is when he opens the barrel 
uh, oh, full spoilers, when he opens the barrel and Megan's body's in there and it's actually quite a good effect, that actually, I was like, oh, fuck, that's scary. But then the rest of it's just sort of ruined by the fact it's just so unbelievable. Like, the last 20 minutes, it, it's just the August Underground. It's slightly better than the August Underground, which should clue you in, Donald, about how bad that movie <laughs> is when we get round to it. But, like... Oh, no. It's, it, it's just... It's so out of place. And Michael Goy... Uh, I looked up an interview with him, and he, he kind of seems like a nice enough bloke, I guess. But uh-huh. uh, he, he said um, the movie is too extreme for some people to take seriously or not be judgmental about the motivations behind it, and motivations we'll get into later. But he's right. It is too extreme to be taken seriously. It's an exploitation film, which I think he genuinely means is like a serious wake-up-this-is-real movie. Yeah, so you do you not think he knew he was even making an exploitation film then? Like... I, I don't think so, but it's so weird that it's so weird to me that he didn't realize. But I think he knew he was making an extreme film. But I think he's like being so serious, putting all this torture at the end. Well, yeah, you can tell he's trying to be serious throughout the film, like the way it's presented in this like faux this really happened and these are the last 22 minutes of the tape we found and everything like it's the the thing is with the presentation right is that structure wise it's pretty decent way i mean the film was made for thirty five thousand dollars, and i'll Uh give it credit i would have guessed a hundred thousand or something so credit where credit's due the budget went the full distance so structure-wise, I think it kind of works having these isolated conversations. What doesn't work is this movie set in 2007 and everyone's Skyping all the time and everyone's <laughs> on their phones all the time. And then you see her phone at one point and it's like a fucking Motorola flip phone. Oh, yeah. Did you notice that um, every time they answered like a phone on the call, the hands. Then, hand came back from the phone. <laughs> and to hang up, they put the hand over the over the camera it was amazing <laughs> it's it's like any positives is the film have ruined by the fact it's just it's so unbelievable i mean the worst scene in the film for me is the party sequence like because before that i was actually kind of i mean the acting was trash but i was actually kind of into it um and then the party sequence happened for like 10 fucking minutes and i was just like wow th- th- this is this is bad this is just not a representation of teenagers no not even not even slightly and the fact that house is the weirdest house i've ever seen i'm mean, after add. <laughs> like this house that the party is in <laughs> like I, I guess they had an abandoned house and had a, a ticketed rave that people were going to with lights and with, like, generic stock metal music, because, you know, that's what the kids were listening to in 2007. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a, what, I don't know how old Michael Guy is, to be fair, but a... 60. 60, oh my god, okay. 60-year-old man. Like, (laughs) pretending to do a teen movie. Like, these, because, um, you're a couple years older than me, but Actually, no, I guess you kind of would have been this age, closer to this age than I would have in 2007, but I wouldn't have been far off. And it's like, 
It's just, it's amazing. It's like it went out of its way to not properly show people. Like, the, the way the dialogue is, sometimes it's not too bad, but sometimes it's awful. And not like in a, in a way that, like, Juno is unrealistic, but Juno's kind of going for this style, a style. It's just, it's just unrealistic in a kind of cringy way. Yeah, I think that's a, I hate to use the word, but cringe is so, like, just an amazing way to, to uh, describe what happens in this movie a lot. Like, most of the it first, did... I don't even know how long that first like section is that just it's like goes 40 on. minutes till she goes missing or something yeah it just doesn't end and you're like when is the title happening like i i, I actually think that's the best bit in the film though because amy and megan's friendship it's almost three-dimensional it, it doesn't work <laughs> because individually their characters are so cliched but the way megan is really protective of amy when it's not being hammered in your face it actually works quite well. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, because there are, like, scenes where she's talking to the guy over the <laughs> Skype call again with, like, four of them in frame talking to him at first. <laughs> like, like, um... Oh. Yeah, that's... I mean, because, I mean, I guess this film is about, you know, like, online grooming and abuse and whatnot in this, you know, totally serious film that's not an exploitation film. Um, but it's just, like, it's kind of just also unbelievable. Like, when he, he like, stalks her at this party and he's like, oh, I saw what you were wearing, but I didn't come up to you. I was too shy. And she's like, no, that's really cute. Let's go meet again. I just thought, no, absolutely not. Not, no character. That's just not yeah. how people function. Absolutely. It was clearly created I mean, for the, you know, the cyberbully demographic. Like, the the internet is corrupting our children, let's all be scared kind of demographic. Oh, well, I'm glad you brought this up, because here's the thing. That's clearly who it was intended for. And in this interview in Entertainment Weekly, Michael Goyce sort of said the film was not intended for teenagers, but the teenagers are the one who watch it. And I was just thinking, who the fuck else is watching this? It's a teen horror film for, like, two-thirds of it, and then at the end, it's just really extreme. Like, this is, like, you know, I remember the people I used to talk to in school about horror movies and, like, the horror crowd when we were kind of 13, 14, 15. They, you know, fucking watch anything. And if um, a certain film from Serbia got people talking <laughs> at our age, you know, this would easily catch on. Like, I kind of expected to watch this and come on here and go, oh, the TikTokers, am I right? Thinking this is real and, like, you know, enjoying this. I actually, after watching this, I perfectly see why this caught on with, like, 14-year-olds. I really do. It's terrible. But it is, as a bad, extreme horror film that, like, teenage girls will watch, It, I, I get it. Yeah, same. I get it. And like you say, Michael Goy says in interviews that it's not made for them. So man completely misunderstood his entire audience. Like, and I think that's going back to the fact that he didn't think he was making this. Obviously he knew it was extreme because that ending's extreme. But I think he, he was like, I'm making this extreme to show you how terrible grooming can be and what will happen to your daughter and stuff like this. Rather than 
just be like, this is fucking hostile, uh, August Underground. Yes! Like a, yeah, yeah. Literally, like, rather than this is, he doesn't think this is torture porn, and it is. And it, but, and there's no indication the film is going to become torture porn until the end. And that, actually, if this was a good film, the tonal shift could have worked. But because it's not a good film, you just go, well, now we're doing torture, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's not that great torture either. It's really, it's really badly done, most of it. Like you said, the opening, the, uh, the, um, what is it? The bucket thing is quite good. The, their friendship, I'd say that's the, be, the, the best part of the films is their friendship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I think most of it is just a terrible tonal shift that doesn't work, acting that doesn't work. <laughs> like, um, if they had like half decent normal horror movie level acting, I think the film probably could have been like a five out of ten. Like it probably could have been like a perfectly forgettable film, even yeah. with the rubbish presentation. But it, it's it's like the worst acting I've ever seen. It's dreadful. It, yeah, it is. It does get to room levels at some point. Like it is genuinely like laughably bad some of the scenes and you're like oh no (laughs) my favorite i think the moment i was like well this is the kind of film we're in is um that bit where like in 10 minutes in where like megan calls someone she's like hey girl did you get the stuff this guy got it was real (laughs) that was the moment because i was kind of into it until then and that happened and then it tries to have this quite good scene where, you know, Megan's mum's shouting at her and you can see her home life in, like, uh-huh. a quite an organic way. Ruined. Absolutely ruined by the fact that in the video call next to them are these actors who, you know, they, 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 they're they just so unbelievable. Yeah, completely chewing the scenery and, like, horror. And, like, a, this should be an effective scene and it's just not. I think we need to talk about Michael Guymar because that man is fascinating. Like, I don't know how much you looked up on him, but like... I, I, I watched his TikTok account. I mean, he, he for, for those who don't know, he is like, a, he was or is president of the American Society of Cinematographers, and he's like an acclaimed award-winning cinematographer. And this, he has like a couple of directing credits, and he's doing like a film with an actual cast next. But this seems to have been his passion project. Yeah, and I think that because this was his passion project has lead, led him to vehemently defend it on the internet to a horrifying degree. Like, obviously it's his film. He's going to try and defend it. But there's been, like, accusations of, like, false reviews made by him to, like, bolster oh bolster um, review site scars. And, like, he's gone in on, like, famous internet reviewers i know he um attacked yms on his like well, i want to get onto yms's review of it as yeah, the kind yeah. of main thing people know this from or at least people our age tend to know it from but he's he i was reading and watching some interviews with him he strikes me as a very earnest fellow who's fucking blind to some of the prop to 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 the quality of this work yeah, definitely. It, it's the, uh, what what would you say, like the Neil Breenism of everything. Like, completely blind to how I, bad I'd say this is, is, yes. 
I'd say it's a less absurd Neil Breen. Yeah, it's not. It's nothing is Neil Breen. Nothing will ever be Neil Breen. But like, it's, since it's, we're on to Michael Goy, um, I want to talk because I don't know if you saw the top review of Letterboxd because I didn't actually think about this. And in fairness, this is like the only thing I've seen. But the top review of Letterboxd was sort of describing things in the film, particularly um, the last. The, the rape scene and the weird fucking dialogue about her having sex w- or with this counsellor when she was 10 that I think is clearly meant to be rape, but in the film it doesn't quite come across as that. Yeah, and basically yeah. saying they think that this is sort of Michael Goy's excuse to... This is what this review is implying, which I'm going to say quite afterward, I don't think is fair to say. It kind of implied that Michael goes trying to make some sort of pornography for himself in this. And I think when you read, when you kind of look at the checklist of stuff in this, you can see the case, but I think it's a very unfair thing to um, say with only the film as the evidence. I think that's a really unfair thing to put in, in front of someone. I just have to assume everything in this film was well-intentioned, which is weird because it comes across as weird, but I I do think his intentions are, are good. Yeah, um, I yeah that is. I didn't see that, and I do think it's a weird accusation to put at someone because I do think his intentions are almost completely good. Like he thought he was making something that was meant to be like this warning kind of thing. I don't think he was making any kind of pawn or anything for himself. But like I did mention earlier, there is that one very weird scene that. I guess that's just he thinks that's how teenagers talk now, maybe, kind of thing. I have I, I, I have to assume that's what that is. That, like, the weird long story, of, uh, uh, you know, about her experiencing statutory rape when she's not recalling it as such. In an actual good film, you could pull that off. But in this, you can't. And it's, it's the, it just, it's like head in hands fucking awful to watch that bit well yeah to pull it off you need some kind of like good writing and acting as well to be able to like pull it off believably which this just I mean, does not have like the film the film like it tries to tackle abuse as a theme like the scene with the video interview of her which i, I think is probably barring one other scene which i'll talk about later i think is probably the best scene in the film and it kind of does work but you have this whole bit of you have this whole film made up of nonsense around it and it really just it sells these intentions of making a serious film so short to not only have the exploitation at the end but to have such fucking awful amateur presentation of the whole thing like it's a it's a cheapo horror movie and i think it's aspiring to be as we keep saying it's aspiring to be something more yeah, definitely. Can we talk for a bit about the fake news, <laughs> fake news I station was... in it? <laughs> uh, the the fake news station from nineteen eighty two, local public yes. access, <laughs> like transitions every five seconds. It's like when I was seven, messing about with Windows Movie Maker. That's how the shit I would have made looked. Like that is one of my favorite moments in this film. Just all of the news scenes. The 
I, I'm not one to usually pick things like this apart in this way, but the fonts that he uses in those scenes. I didn't even <laughs> think about that, but it it just it it's so it strikes me as like such a that that really is Neil Breen levels of incompetence that scene. However, though, um, the reenactment bit. I was laughing quite a bit in the complete way it was intended. Like, I have to, like, it's clearly satire on how terrible the news media is. So when they're like, we're going to reenact this brutal kidnapping because, you know, maybe it will lead to us realizing something the police didn't. I thought that was really quite funny. Like, in the way intended. Yeah, I do think he, like, intentionally meant that to be quite horrible. (laughs) Like. That and when the, like the person's talking about Megan for five minutes, he's like, "Oh, by the way, this kid with the stereotypical black name's also missing." But ne- you know, after the break, more on Megan. I was like, "That's decent satire." This is what I yeah. mean that the film is not unsalvageable. It's just these kind of interesting nuggets in this awful film. Yeah, it's like a what Blair Witch Two kind of thing. <laughs> it's not. Like- <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, Blair Witch 2 has a director's cut, like a, a director re-edit, where the film's kind of slightly more to what it was intended, and it's actually meant to be pretty decent. Maybe we should do a Megan is Missing cut. <laughs> See, how the hell could you... I mean, because the, the first thing you do if you're making this good is, is rehire all the actors, barring Rachel Quinn, essentially. Yeah, just it's just a remake of Megan is Missing, but it's called The New Cut or something. <laughs> but he, he was approached to do a Mexican remake and he said no. Seriously? He, can't be, he doesn't want to go back. Yeah, he can't be bothered to go back. I can imagine a Spanish language remake of it. I can imagine the acting being even worse. Yeah, exactly. But, you know who played the news anchor in this? No. The mayor from South Park. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What on earth? What, what a random, <laughs> random factoid. Like, because <laughs> like her photo on IMDb is is the mayor, and I was like, wait, what? And she does like voices on South Park. That's so random. And to be in Megan is missing. Like, <laughs> what do you think, genuinely, of the ending then? Because we kind of touched upon it, but how? What do you think of it as an ending to a movie in general? As an ending to, I'll I'll be honest. It's kind of okay. The the her being tied up is like laughable. The the rape scene, the three minute rape scene, is is awful. I'm not going to say laughable, but it's like so poorly done. It doesn't need to be in the film, uh, you know, and all of that. But like I said, when he opens the barrel, it's Megan's body. It fucking got me. In the end, when he's digging a hole and it just keeps going and she's in the barrel, like, pleading with him, I was like, nope, this is quite scary, actually. And I was kind of left a bit, like, feeling a bit gross afterward in that kind of way you'd want this. So I, I think it's a mess. It shouldn't have been in this movie. But there's, there's there are the elements of a decent extreme horror in it. Yeah, I do actually agree on the, um, the, uh, most of it is laughably bad, but you get to that ending part and it did kind of make me feel a little gross in the, in that kind of torture porn-esque way that you want for this movie to feel. But again, like we've said so many times, he didn't think he was doing that, which messes it so much in that this film 
should have been one or the other. It should have been that great friendship look and like Amy should have lived the entire thing and it should have been a like a look at their friendship and how it affected other people around them. Or it should have been a schlocky torture pawn that like Megan got captured almost instantly and like she was trying to escape all the time and stuff like this. If this was a fucking masterpiece, you could pull this this tonal shift off. If Takashi Miike was directing this, you could pull <laughs> the tonal shift off. But very, very few directors could pull... Uh, Bong Joon-ho, if he wanted to, could. But, like, this is... It's almost certainly setting you up for failure. But this seems to be the thing people like about the film... Oh yeah, yeah. People seem to. That's the thing. We should probably talk about like the, the weird fanfare it does have from some facets of the internet. I guess. It's fucking. I mean, there's a reason Michael goes on TikTok, and his TikTok account's pretty. I mean, it's it's an old man with a TikTok account, but like, <laughs> it's really popular on TikTok, and there's a whole meme where it's like, you know, people being like, "I just watched Megan and Missing. I'm gonna be the next Megan." It's so traumatic. And like I said, I kind of, I kind, I kind of get it. I kind of get why people who are sort of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, largely teenage girls, would enjoy this film. Yeah, definitely. And like a lot of these are obviously just rediscovering it now again. Like we heard about it now, what now? Eight years ago, I think seven, eight years ago. So, so Dom, the this fact- is officially a cult classic. Yeah, Megan is missing. It's going to be on Criterion next. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I, I think actually DVD copies do go for like a somewhat decent amount in America because it's out of print. Yeah, I like can amazing. So, actually. Yeah. Because, yeah, it, I know like when we first thought about this film again was because we heard it got big on TikTok again and people like, people on YouTube who are having to make videos saying this isn't real, this is just a movie. Like, could you imagine watching that and thinking it was real? I'm sorry, right? If you saw that news, <laughs> that news report. <laughs> people were, people believed, I had to tell friends that Blair Witch wasn't real 10 years after. I, I don't get it, but like, there's just a demographic of people who are all too ready to believe this shit, which is, like, people don't act like this. Like, how could you watch any scene from this and not think this is, this is fake? Especially because found footage is, and it was the biggest thing for a whole decade. Yeah, exactly. What I could have seen genuinely happening is some people maybe thought a lot of it was recreations and then the ending was real. But then you still have the actors in it. So, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> they got really good lookalikes. It's, but the ending's so easy to do, man. That's fucking cheap shit. Uh, like, yeah, you film a dark, dingy dungeon, found footage, torture and rape, and people are going to be disturbed by it. You know. Yeah, exactly. There's some effective moments in it, but it's... I, <laughs> I keep saying it. It's just so weird to me how the film just does this. If I didn't know what this was and it did this, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, it is. Can you think of a bigger tonal shift, really? I mean, obviously in good films, but anything that tries this, that's not like 
audition or something. Like, I didn't see it, but do you remember that movie? You, of course not. Um, it was with Matthew McConaughey. It was directed by Stephen Knight, and it was called Serenity. I had to look up like a spoiler reviewer of it. I've not seen it, where it was like this weird island rom-com, and then it turned out it was the kid role-playing murdering his father on oh. in a video game. Oh, what? No. <laughs> yeah, that was like the the book of the book of Henry of that year. The kind of what? Oh, yes. I didn't see. Oh my god! I never thought this is such a the book of Henry. Holy shit! Like. Have you actually seen The Book of Henry? I have seen that film, yes. <laughs> the movie that killed Colin Trevorrow's career. Oh, yeah. because <laughs> Jesus Christ. I never thought to equate the two, but this is the, the extreme version of The Book of Henry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I mean, that that's probably in modern cinema the most famous example of like a weird tonal shift in a bad film because okay like in a good film right parasite parasite has like two weird tonal shifts parasite turns into nearly a horror movie at one point but it bong joon ho holds it together by the bong joon ho magic yeah exactly yeah um so like we talked about in fact actually before we get on to that um there's another little tidbit i learned from the review, the interview I was reading, um, where he's he was asked if it's R rated or not, not rated, and he said uh, they sent it to the MPAA for submission, and they sent it back with a note saying just pretend you didn't send this us. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> oh my god, really? It's banned in New Zealand for objectionable <laughs> content. Oh wow! I mean, I guess makes sense I can at see the it. ending. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's classed as an extreme film but like it's never been released here i i couldn't see it getting cuts but it would be an 18 here like no bones about it oh yeah instantly be an 18 (laughs) yeah which as we said is just funny because who who over like do you remember that film that came out project x not the the monkey one the one about the big party that was 18 (laughs) rated but no one in their right mind over 18 would see that it's like that yeah, exactly, where it's like, if this came out in the cinema, it'd have to be adults going to watch it in a cinema. <laughs> God, you work in a cinema. Can you imagine everyone you'd have to turn away from that? Yeah, exactly. It's already bad enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I think um, the next thing I just want to mention is that I found out about this film initially because YMS... Uh, you know famous online critic did a review of it and my reaction after watching it is he makes it seem a lot worse than it is frankly because it is just i don't consider him bad faith criticism but he is just chopping the worst bits up and putting sort of music in it right uh i guess it's time for uh final thoughts then dom what are your final thoughts on megan is missing i mean after talking with you uh i don't think i hate it as much anymore <laughs> um obviously still think it's a terrible movie with terrible acting and like um most of it just doesn't work but does have some redeemable tidbits in there and kind of should um maybe yeah I, I basically agree it, it's it's a bad movie it's a very bad film but it's not it's not the half star one out of ten that it's kind of got its reputation to be and to be honest this is what i was thinking after it finished 
I'd sit through this again over sitting through Tenet again. Oh, wow. Controversial. <laughs> is this a compliment to this, or is this just a real insult to Tenet? <laughs> I think it's an insult to Tenet, if you ask me. <laughs> that was more boring than this was. Okay, Sterner. This, this this, yeah. Well, do well, what are we to... doing next week? Do you want to announce it? <laughs> sure. You can announce uh, this we're one. Doing... Where's Craven's last house on the left? Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, I hope the ending doesn't sound too choppy because we've just had five minutes of technical difficulties. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time, I guess. Bye. You've been listening to the Extreme Cinema Podcast with Alexander Sternberg and Dom Loach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing as it really helps us out. The original artwork for the podcast was done by George Arnold. The Extreme Cinema Podcast. Available where all good podcasts are available.